0: All right, everyone, welcome to episode two of the Fast Forward Podcast. We're super excited to have you guys all with us. Today, I am, I am blessed because I get to interview one of my best friends, uh, a funny guy, but also a knowledgeable guy when it comes to the cannabis business. So with that, um, getting into introductions, let me just say that this man is Jamaican born. He was New York raised, but he was private school bred. So because of that, all those things add up into a connoisseur of the cannabis industry. Um, please welcome one of my best friends, Sheldon Platel.
1: Hello. Hello. How are you doing, Brett?
0: Man, I, I'm doing I'm doing great. Wednesday, um, great weather, California, living the good life. Like, Sheldon, oh, how are
1: yeah. you doing? Uh, you know, it's good. Just chilling. Yeah. Uh, a little bit in between jobs right now. So, you know, hanging out until I start next week.
0: Yeah, man. Very exciting. Well, that's, that's why I think it's a great opportunity to kind of pick your brain and see what you've been doing and hopefully give people out there who honestly don't know anything about like the business side of cannabis, like, or if someone's actually, you know, like thinking about getting into it, like what you've done, some insights you may have. Um, yeah. Just trying to get that information out there and see uh, maybe there might be someone we can help. So with that why don't why don't you just maybe like give us a little bit of history of what you've been doing the last couple years um in your role um and how that's kind of gotten you to the point where you've been more familiar with this industry
1: yeah totally so for me uh i i worked at a company called trees for about three and a half years um trees is it's a very interesting company to work at. Work at because they're actually a point of sale uh, company. They're a technology company. So with trees, you actually never touch cannabis itself. We ever actually never see the product. However, we create a point of sale system that dispensaries can use to obviously one manage their inventory, sell the product, and then most importantly, be compliant uh, with the states, uh, state whatever states laws that are regulating them so yeah so my job has always been kind of on the support operations side of helping uh, dispensaries uh, better kind of navigate those tools but also when it came down to looking at the data that they're collecting about their uh about their business operations kind of helping them navigate it figure out what are their kpis uh figuring out um how much what inventory is moving what's moving really quickly what's moving slowly uh, and kind of helping them get access to that knowledge so they can action on it. So, mm-hmm. I did That's that cool. at
0: Trees for quite some time. Yeah, yeah, man. So, would you you would consider yourself just really deep in the operation side of understanding the back end of how uh, this industry is working and understanding how you can kind of optimize either the sales, the marketing, anything um, back end related for these businesses? Is that a correct way to say it?
1: Yeah, exactly. So. I would say the best, uh, another way you can describe it is that I've been able to work with some large, small mom and pop-like dispensaries and just kind of like uh, really understand how they uh, want to kind of sell cannabis. And I've kind of, I've from working with so many, you kind of notice some patterns and from working and seeing those patterns, I've kind of learned like how to really work and help those dispensaries really operate. So at least, you know, when I was working at trees, utilizing trees, but uh, ultimately it should be the same no matter where I go in the cannabis world. So
0: it's, it's funny, right? Cause cannabis, like legal cannabis has been around for what, like five, six years and you've had medical uh, dispensaries. It's really a new industry and people are trying to work their way in, be a big player, take over that market share. And, and I think because it's so new and because you're with one of, when you worked at trees, you were with one of those companies that kind of in its own little niche, had that huge market share that you were kind of drawn to those big players or those people who are doing really, really well in the space. So yeah, yeah, no, it's it's super cool stuff. So uh, what what I want to start with, um, if we get into a little bit more is because you've had that experience of like what's worked with people that have ended up opening up dispensaries or worked with dispensaries or ended up selling product. Like just in your own opinion, what do you think are some of the fundamentals or the basics of either working for a dispensary or owning a dispensary? And like what, yeah, again, what are, what are some of those fundamentals people either need to understand or the skill sets they need to have?
1: Got it. That's a good question. Um, I would say to really be able to be successful with like starting a dispensary, the basics for starting dispensary, you have to be kind of just an intelligent person with understanding and navigating laws and regulations. Uh, when it comes down to it, uh, starting a dispensary can be pretty expensive with uh, some uh, licenses going from the price of just 20000 to 50000 some cases, it can be as low as uh, 3000 just in California, uh, but... There are a lot of hoops that you need to hop through. Kind of to give you an idea of what I mean, uh, there are different types of licenses. So even though you're a dispensary, you can either, you can end up being a dispensary really operating three ways. One is you're just doing purely adult use, is the more recent one in California that started in 2018, I believe was passed in 2018, then believed it passed in 2017, and then started in 2018. My bad. And then we have medical use, which has been around for a very, very long time. Uh, and then we have dispensaries that do both adult use and medical use. And from, so when you're getting your license, you need to actually be able to get a license that's applying to one of those three categories. So you want to either get a license that's for medical a license, that's for adult use, or you have to get literally both. So that can be a challenging thing to do in itself because there's a limited number, uh, or rather depending on the state. Uh, it can be limited where California, I believe it's, they have a really high ratio where it's like for every one dispensary, it's like 75,000 to a hundred thousand people, uh, citizens in that state versus oh, wow. a state like Oklahoma for every one dispensary, there's about 10,000 people. So you'll cool. see a lot more dispensaries popping up in Oklahoma versus California. Interesting. Um,
0: Is it the, uh, so like the rec, the recreational might be one to 10,000, the medical might be one for every 50,000. It's. Is it an umbrella for all of those classifications, or is it just for each individual one kind of follows its own rules?
1: Um, they, So each license will follow its, has like specific regulations that they can follow. Uh, it really ultimately boils, I mean, there's a little bit more details to it, but I would say if I had to like kind of sum it up for just someone who's entering it, uh, who is just wanting to get a basic idea, there's this thing that we call purchase limits. And how purchase limits basically work is that this is the maximum amount of cannabis that you can buy from this dispensary or you can buy that day, right? So think okay. of it like you go to dispensary it's maxing a, out your credit card. That's what it is. Yeah, it's, right? It's literally like maxing, maxing out your card. spine weed. <laughs> yeah, but depending on if you're, like have a, if you're a medical patient, your max is way higher. So using that same analogy of a credit card, it'll be like your max on your credit card could be 20,000. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're medical, but if you're adult use, your max might, is going to be 5,000. It's yeah. significantly less. It's, it's dramatically less, really. Uh, so you'll can in California, like, I believe, I can't remember. Oh, man, I'm blanking on the n- exact numbers, but it's nearly like three times. You can essentially, if you're a medical customer, you can buy essentially almost three times the amount that a uh, adult use uh, casual user would be allowed to buy
0: well well wow. so th- then it makes me th- okay so and it just makes me think okay where here's here's like the first potential for like a underground business or a reseller to come in where say someone classify you know it gets a license as like a medical dispensary and they you know they can buy a certain amount of weed and and they can they can then resell that off either to maybe people or dispensaries that don't fall under the like the jurisdiction of like that first category for like like recreational use Mm -hmm. so for that i mean you you probably have more information than me like where like how do they prevent like the resale of all this stuff potentially running into legal issues like what do what do these dispensaries or the law or the people do
1: so the people who are let me just restate the question more time so the people who are running create these laws what are they doing
0: yeah so like again because you have If you're, if you're, if you have like a medical license and you can buy more weed, who's to say that you wouldn't buy that weed and then just start slinging it off to someone who Mm. only has like a recreational license. I mean, when you,
1: when you get your medical license, they, they, I don't have a medical license, so I wouldn't know the details into it, but I'm pretty sure they have rules and regulations about selling it. If you don't have a, if you don't have a cannabis selling license, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It, so if you have a medical license, be, if you have like a going personal license, go, go ahead. Oh, I was, I was just, just going like, to
0: say, so like it would just wouldn't be, even if you yeah. have a medical license, it's probably not enough weed to start retailing it. Like you probably wouldn't be pushing enough product to make it like super, super profitable, maybe like in the, the same realm of like some of these, these larger players in the industry, right? It just it might be like something like someone's got Adderall or something that they're reselling. Like you'll make a few bucks here and there, but it's not going to raise a red flag or, or really disrupt the industry. Right.
1: Yeah. But, I mean the, the other issue too is that because cannabis is so heavily taxed, you being able to resell it at that, at a price that is going to be able to like, uh, where you're going to actually be making a lot of money is going to be pretty difficult. Yeah. Think of like, Kind of going back to like adult use versus medical, um, I'm just remembering like adult use customers are allowed to buy one ounce of flour in California, right? While medical users are allowed to buy, I think like seven or eight ounces It's it's a huge difference. Mm -hmm. However, you have to remember that even though they're buying that eight ounce, one ounce is probably going to cost them like quite a, like getting an eighth can be in the range of like 50 to $60. So you can only imagine the cost of getting an ounce, right? And then Mm -hmm. getting eight ounces of that. And then if you want to go into like the underground market and try to sell it yourself, you are competing against people who are probably just growing it themselves, uh, growing that much. And they're probably not selling, like probably selling that eighth for like 35, 40 bucks versus the 50 to 60 that you paid for it at a dispensary. Yeah. Yeah, And then you would,
0: you would top on 10, 15 extra bucks and it's, you essentially price yourself out of the market because you're already, you're already paying top dollar for something.
1: Exactly. So in the, the, if you're trying to buy flour that you, if you really want it for cheap, probably the underground market, you can get it really, really cheap. Uh, But I think it's better if you go the legal route, just because the reason why it costs so much extra is that they have people in labs who are literally testing the marijuana. They're making sure that it's, there's nothing uh, wrong with it. It's not molding or anything like that, you know? that's why you're seeing that extra like 15 to $20 markup is to make sure that you're getting quality products.
0: Yeah. Well, so even, even kind of running with what you just said, where you have potentially like third-party testing and quality control, do you, do you know of like, what, what is required before like selling product for these dispensaries? Like, can they, can they honestly go to like, again, like let's, let's put it, let's put it in a scenario. Say you're 2530 you got to maybe you want to take out a business loan you want to you know get a storefront you want to start pushing a you know, product you want to start a business you know like california's got a huge market for for cannabis and a lot of people have done really really well with it so it's a it's definitely it's definitely a possibility if you want to run with it so with that again just just trying to understand it, if you you want to open up a storefront you want to purchase product like what regulations or rules are there with purchasing product and then reselling it? So again, is it, can do you have to only go through certified like growers or you buy it from the guy down the street and sell and just put a sticker on it? Like what, what are we kind of working with uh, nowadays?
1: Every, everything is the, the best way to describe it is that um, in pretty much every state and probably is going or in every state that has uh, legal cannabis, they have some form of what they call track and trace, which essentially means that once the flower is grown, it is being tracked from like the moment it's a like it's still like just a plant to the moment that it is sold to a consumer, right? Okay. And mm-hmm. that information is all recorded and put into some database, depending on like your state. Like in California, uh, we use a system called Metric, and everyone from the grower to the distributor, to the dispensary, uh, they all have their license. And when they are, when the, basically, when it goes from the grower to the distributor, they will give them all the information about like what the lab testing results say about uh, how much pounds they sold everything. And they'll give that information to the distributor. Uh, and from there, when the distributor gets it, metric will record that it went from uh a grower license ABC to distributor license uh, AAA, uh, and they will know that it went, it went to them and they will know what, how much exact, how many pounds they exactly got. Nothing is really like underground in the sense of like, oh, they slipped in an extra ounce because since they're tracking everything, if they feel like something becomes a little sketch or the numbers don't seem to add up, yeah. they will do an audit on the dispensary. They will do an audit on the distributor. They'll do an audit on everyone with a license. And then you'll have to be able to show video, camera, footage to prove exactly what you're doing right. You'll need to have the data to back all of the sales and transactions or the purchase orders to back that. That's how much the dispensary mm-hmm. asked for. There's a there's a lot of there's a lot of receipts that you need to hold on to and be able to also back up. So, so
0: is the uh, is that agency, is that a government agency? Is that like a third party inspector? Third party
1: that's... that third party kind of like ice, how like ice isn't tech. ICE is technically a third party agent, but like, <laughs> it's not it's the government, hired by but we're working but for the, the government, government backs it up. Same thing with the track and trace. It's like, most of them are, uh, third party p- uh, people that the government just throws money at to like manage. Well, I,
0: I feel like it's gotta be a weird, um, a weird gray area too, because if the, the government, well, I'm just thinking federal government, if the federal government doesn't consider we to be legal, um, I wonder how much strain, like strain, there is between state and federal government, right? And I, I don't know. Do do you know of any issues that go on with that stuff, or any battles that's going on in the industry between um, between the parties? government
1: between the government and who again? Well, like
0: the well, like the federal government and like the state government, because you know, again, let's just say, oh, I don't, I don't know. Let's. I don't know if Utah has legal weed, but I'm just sh- taking a shot in the dark and educating. Alabama is
1: <laughs> about to have legal weed right now. Is it? Alabama is next on the line for medical, man.
0: Oh, man, I'm not going to say they need it, but I think, <laughs> I think we all need it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Okay. Well, let's, let's honestly, let's get back a little bit to like the business stuff. Cause again, if my, my thought is, I there's d- gonna be, I
1: kind of want to touch on one thing that though, is yeah, that I don't really know necessarily the, uh, conversation that the state is necessarily having with the feds. Uh, however, I know for a fact that when it comes to, uh, the conversation that people within the industry who have the license are having with their state, there's definitely like, there's definitely some issues there where cannabis, because think of it like this, all these people who are making these laws and regulations, aren't people who are familiar with like cannabis and how it mm-hmm. works. Yeah. So what's ultimately happening is that they're trying to come up with interesting, weird ways to try to like track, like uh, to try to track, do these audits and like track how cannabis is moving. For example, if you were doing traditional retail uh, and you wanted to track the movement of every single product and how it's moving um, traditionally, what you would want to look at is uh, how much are your costs going up and going down? Mm -hmm. and how many units did you start with or my apologies how many how much units did you start with at the beginning of the month and how much was your cost at the beginning of the month what were all of the sales uh returns adjustments that happened during that month and then what does your cost and units look like at the end of the month right Mm -hmm. that is how you would traditionally do it however because uh they feel like dispensaries might be sneaking products in or like trying to be underground still They'll come up with like the most obscure ways of trying to track this stuff in like that aren't consistent. For example, like uh, I've seen uh, I've seen states try to instead of ask for the instead of asking for like how many how have your units changed throughout the month of like March, for example, they'll say, all right, I want you to show me what your gross sales, what your potential revenue looks like at the beginning of the month and what your potential revenue looks like at the end of the month. And the reason why that doesn't really work is because they can change the price of a product mid month. Like at the beginning of the month, it could be like, all right, I'm selling these gummies for 20 bucks, not selling that well. All right, we're going to change the sticker price to now $15. Right.
0: Well, and if they do that, it's like they, they come back and they just, they, they put a microscope on and they say, Hey, you're, you're, you're trying to push some illegal stuff right now. It raises a red flag.
1: Exactly. And it's like, it's like, because these people are doing some very, very basic, like, It's like just basic like uh, inventory management things where it's just like, oh, I want to sell more. So I'm going to lower the price or this is selling like hotcakes. I'm going to actually I can get away with raising the price a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Uh, But because they're not like they're looking at it in such a weird way, that's like going to bring out a lot of errors. It's it's just like there's just a disconnect, I would say, more so with the industry and the state and it come the state coming up with like a good way to manage it all.
0: Well, so what are, I mean, are, are, are companies and dispensaries right now just at the, at the mercy of the state? If they say it's, it's like, they say jump, you have to say how high?
1: Yes. 1000%. Uh, I feel like, I feel like to, to really be able to handle this industry, you have to be a pretty, uh, flexible patient person because at a moment's notice you could just have like uh, you can just see an email that goes out from the from the state that basically says, hey, we actually want to raise taxes uh, in like a month to like being now like from like the sales tax for cannabis from being like 8% to like 9% as like a silly example. Or like your, yeah. local, your local cannabis tax will all of a sudden like be like, hey, we want to now differentiate uh, adult use customers versus medical where now their medical customers have to pay like 3%, adult use have to pay like uh, extra like 6%. It's just... Things could just change for a cut for a dispensary, for a grower, for a distributor so easily that everyone has to just be flexible and kind of just know how to just like move when they gotta move.
0: Yeah, well, Matt, you you brought up something that I think would be interesting to talk about too, which is how horribly taxed cannabis is in California. Like, I don't think I mean the only other thing I could think of is maybe gas where it's even in the same realm of of taxes that cannabis is um and so because of how high it is is there like i guess i have two questions i guess the first being is there like an actual legitimate reason why the taxes are so high like you know the taxes are going to you know funneling to these third-party inspectors which are looking at the uh logistics of like the the downstream of a business and validifying like they're like, every, like all their numbers, or is it like that money's going to schools and it's actually making a difference? I guess that's kind of the question, like one, just concising it making uh, and saying, is the taxes because they're so hard actually worth it? And is it going somewhere? And then the second question being, where do you see the taxes for at least California cannabis? Cause that's where you've worked. Where do you see those, those taxes going? Do you see it getting worse or do you see the trends of actually you know, being more like a business tax and, and being a little bit more business friendly and starting to come down and and being a little bit more relaxed for those people who want to start these?
1: Yeah. Uh, that's an interesting question. I, I don't know if I would be able to give you the best answer there. I guess your first question was basically like, why are the taxes so high? Correct? Yeah. So why are they so high is because the state's Every single state knows they can get away with it. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what else to say about that. Uh, it's just like they know that people who want to smoke cannabis are going to smoke cannabis. So You're going to pay that they, premium, ain't, ain't they? Yeah, so they know that they're going to always have those customers. It's not like it's going to be problematic for them. So they just do it um where's the money going for those taxes uh they say it's going to schools they say it's going to like helping the homeless they say it's going to this they say it's going to that and i i i don't really necessarily follow it <laughs> uh i feel like that's uh something i should follow but i just i actually just don't really follow it but yeah. it's definitely something that people should be looking more into because there's a lot of money definitely being generated from those taxes Um, I mean, do
0: do you even know what like the state revenue for cannabis sales were like, if you could even just put a number on how big the industry is in California? Can you tell us?
1: Um, The industry is pretty big, man. Uh, I can't actually remember, but it's, it's in like the, I believe it was in like the 10 billions or something (laughs) like that. And just like, or actually, no, what am I talking about? Way more than that. We so I you're, just like I almost feel like googling it to be honest with you, man. Dude,
0: so you're telling me right now you think California cannabis revenue last year was over ten billion dollars?
1: Nah, no, I think it's actually more. California revenue
0: cannabis. Let me let me know what Google so says. So California,
1: the state, took in 2018. It was recorded that they took about almost two billion dollars.
0: And that's what a, a t- with the twenty percent or what's the taxes in California? Twenty percent or is it higher?
1: It ranges from like if we're if we're looking at like every single state, it's gonna be somewhere close to around like twenty, like seven percent ish about. Dude, that's like insane. and this that's is so like 100%. not every state, my apologies. If we're looking at every county in the state of California is around twenty seven percent. Okay, okay. So if I mean let's
0: just, yeah, I was gonna say let's just do like basic math, let's just say twenty five, you know. 25% tax on top of, you know, 25% tax. And that gives you 2 billion and 25% of eight is two. So you're looking at $8 billion, maybe in revenue for the weed industry. And that's in 2018. That's, that's three years ago. That's before COVID. I mean, yeah. let's, be, let's be honest. You you look at any of your friends and they probably started drinking more, started smoking more. Like those numbers are probably double or triple what they were.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, it's pretty nuts, dude. It's pretty
0: nuts yeah man it's uh, the industry is insane and then i'm um, i mean it, i'm just glad i get to talk to someone like you who's at least got his foot in the door and, and can shine some light on maybe you know some of the questions i have and maybe some of the other questions other people have too but i know i know your specialty again is if i if i pull it back is is more in like technology of like optimization um looking at how how dispensaries sell how products get moved being able to track all that so I want to kind of steer my next question into more into that realm and ask where in your experience and kind of in your, in your thought, do you see data either working right now or data kind of pushing new trends for these dispensaries again, to help optimize what they're doing with their businesses?
1: Yeah, I think so. What's, pretty cool at least from my experiences since I like started being in the cannabis cannabis industry in like February of 2020, uh, 2019, 2018 uh, I got to see how a lot of a lot of people in the game in the technology game have actually just really started to appreciate the data. Uh, originally mm-hmm. it was such a struggle to kind of keep up with all of the changing regulations, Uh, how the laws are changing at like pretty much at a moment's notice and all that kind of stuff. Uh, And now it's kind of like, since everyone is kind of more comfortable and uh, know that that's happening, it's more of a focus on how are we going to help dispensaries be like at their best? How do we make it so that they're running as efficiently as like your traditional retail stores like Macy's or Mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, um, Nordstrom's, et cetera. Uh, Safeway, all those places that are kind of just like really on top of like inventory management. So something that's been cool to watch is like how a lot of uh, like companies like Headset or um, Trees are really starting to utilize those that transactional data to help really like get dispensaries to know like, hey, these products are moving so quickly. It's time for us to start contacting our distributor like two weeks, three weeks ahead of time so that we are never running out of inventory so that we're never having days where we don't sell that product because we're we're out of stock yeah. or we're having like more information on like hey even though this product is like moving slowly maybe we put some marketing behind it we can actually uh, get more revenue from this product success because it's actually a really good product it's just not a lot of people know about it But so basically a lot of the data that is being looked into right now is obviously getting you like your basic KPIs, which is just like, hey, what's the best seller for today? Uh, Who is your best employee? Like those kind of basic things. But something that I think is really interesting to watch, to see, uh, start growing from this data is really these advanced uh, inventory management uh, uh, processes and procedures being implemented so that dispensaries can like really be ahead of the game for managing their, their flower.
0: Is it in, would you consider trees, the industry leader in, in that product management software right now?
1: Um, I'm very, (laughs) very biased. So I can't really, (laughs) all I'll I'll say is this. I think, uh, at least from my experience with trees, trees is killing it and that they are doing a, a terrific job there. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think they're, I think they're are my favorite.
0: Right. They're my well, so, favorite right now. Um, so I'm just thinking, cause like you, earlier you mentioned a lot of these, these businesses in California are trying to be like mom and pop shops. If a You know, it's a small storefront, um, kind of like a small business. Do you see even those businesses that are small being able to utilize this software or is it something that it's more of like these large scale dispensaries that maybe have like, 50 to 100 employees and the you know it it's just too much for one person or an excel spreadsheet maybe would be able to handle in the back end.
1: Yeah, so I okay, that's a good question. So for dispensaries that are like that multiple locations kind of like that MedMen style where it's just mm-hmm. like kind of just spread out uh, across the state and multiple states too. Uh, for them, they need that kind of data to operate. They need to understand On both a like individual level and a holistic level of like how is this specific dispensary doing, and how are we as an organization doing uh, with all of our dispensaries combined and aggregated into one database, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, They definitely can utilize it, and even the small ones can utilize it to really to really maximize their sales, to really maximize the uh, revenue that they're bringing in. Having that access to that data is important. I would say what is going to be what is going to be very different about those two is that uh, chances are for a mom and pop shop they're not going to have like a data analyst who's going to be able to like really navigate the <laughs> st- raw st- data,
0: study the study the graphs, you know, yeah, study the trends, you know, exactly. be able to it, be like, what is this? It's
1: like they might have someone in house that's like you know that knows how to do the basics, but for those big stores they they definitely want kind of like they want that raw data to play with because they know that if they get it, they can put it into like Tableau or some BI other BI tool and just really go dumb and find all the information that they want. But for mom and pop shops, it's kind of nice to be able to have that just handed to you and just be like, these are what these dashboards
0: or this is what these internal tools do that can help you. Yeah, well, it's like any, I feel like anyone running a business wants to make more money, wants to, you know, sell more product, wants to, you know, maybe sometimes work less. <laughs> yeah. If you got, if you got a software that empowers you to do essentially everything better, it's, it, it it's kind of like a no brainer, ain't it?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: For sure, man. Well, um, because that's, that's more like the backend stuff that we were talking about. I now I'm curious. I want to ask a question of even in your experience working with optimization, um, for logistics and sales and all that good stuff, you've still been exposed to the consumer side of someone who is you know, walking into a store, they see a product, they wanna buy a product, like that, that whole interaction of experiencing the product, finding a product and then ended up using the product. Where, where do you see kind of right now the trends or something that could be better in the industry from the consumer side?
1: What could be better in the consumer side? Um, I think something that can be done on the consumer side is it still feels a little bit taboo to, uh, to smoke cannabis or to use it. Uh, not necessarily in all over the place, but for some people it still does. Um, and I think there needs to be more of a drive to kind of socialize it. Uh, to make it a lot more casual than it than it is kind of like how bars exist for just going as a place to go drink or places yep. and lounges that are accepting of people to come hang out and smoke obviously uh, as covid is wrapping up that that's kind of hard to do but um yeah kind of having those more social settings and i think like i think like brands like can are doing a pretty dope job at it because they're super focused on like that micro can like THC micro THC vibe THC vibe where mm-hmm. it's just like hey we're not trying to get you like baked and you just want to like just eat a bunch of chips and like <laughs> sit down it's so like yeah. a light high that's like sociable it's like i think that's kind of like a direction i think a lot of products should be like it'd be cool if we saw more products like that going in that direction even like products like our buddy you know obviously bassy Airgraph. They do a pretty dope job 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 too, where air graft on their, on their uh, pens, when you smoke it, after you hold, they tell you exactly like, hey, the first buzz is going to give you two uh, milligrams of THC. So you know like, hey, you're giving yourself just a quick hit. You're going to get a nice little high that's not going to like overwhelm you. They yeah. kind of walk you through it and help you. I think huh. people going to that direction are going to be killing it because they're trying to appeal to like a larger more casual side of it because right now it still feels like a lot of the some well i feel like it's it's going starting to go away but back it was i would say like back when i would buy in 2018 it was like you're getting like some potent stuff
0: all the time so i've seen that it's taking the 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 direction towards being more casual right and being more accepted and you know maybe someone wants to you know drink a can and have like one or two like milligrams of THC but still feel like they're at a party and they're not 30 milligrams deep in an edible where their soul has just left their body and they can't feel their toes like (laughs) because it's almost like there's there's no in between or there hasn't been any in between for a lot of products it's hey here's an entire j or here's an entire blunt like you got to smoke the entire thing or you got to consume the entire thing and good luck you're on your own don't call us if you need help there's no chill there's no chill way to go so it's interesting you bring that up because I've. I've used can too, and because I don't, I don't drink um, anymore either. It's a, it's kind of a, a nice way to be able to find something that you can relax with or have fun with, that's not too overpowering. Yeah, man, it's cool insight you have there. Well, dude, yeah. it's um, we're almost at time right now. I've I've had a great time learning learning about like what you've been doing inside into the industry. Learning about cannabis, man. I, I know a lot of people are out there. I'm, not, I'm no,
1: I'm no expert per se. I'm just uh, there's a guy who's been in it for a little bit has. Notice some things. That's all. Yeah, you're you're man doing his job, You're just a man, doing, a sponge,
0: his just a man do, doing his job, look, looking around every now and then. That's all it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> well, man, well I'll leave it. I I got one more one more question for you that I want to leave you with, and it doesn't have to exactly be um, cannabis focused, but uh, I asked this the last guest too. I just I want to pick your brain and see where you're at with things. And the question is, if you can go back five years from now, and give yourself one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be?
1: Uh, if I could go go back five years, honestly, I would just I would have said like, oh man, I would have said uh, get into the cannabis game earlier, learn as much <laughs> as you could. Honestly, I wish I wish I was in this a lot longer and got to see like everything that people went through, um, and just kind of better understand that industry. Um, but to be honest with you, five years ago, I I honestly thought it was still, still taboo. So, um. I wasn't, I was definitely not going to be the one to go right into it, uh, especially as a young black man. I was kind of scared if, like, hey, this is something that could potentially uh, get me screwed over if, like, I'm met with a cop or something like that. So it yeah. took some, it took some, it took a little bit of a nudge to get into it. And I appreciate uh, the person that did that. Yeah. Like I said, if I could do it again, I would just keep doing the same thing of just encouraging myself to like go on Udemy and learn as much as I can and like understand like how these understand like uh, understand like why everything happens. Because ultimately, I think this is panning out very similarly to uh, kind of like how when alcohol was probably legalized, like the rush that people felt about trying to become like a name brand for like a uh, for alcohol before, you know dust settles and like all these brands kind of took took place and did their thing so Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know if at the end of the day all i'm saying is that i just wish i got into it sooner
0: (laughs) good stuff man well that's a that's a perfect way to end it some beautiful things that were said um and so with that that concludes episode two of the fast forward podcast sheldon once again i thank you hopefully we'll see you soon sounds
1: good man peace